0: I've asked a very, very good friend of mine, Dave, to give a little testimony um, about what uh, small groups are about. And um,
1: just just share your heart here, Dave. Um, good morning. Um, beginning of July, my family, or Terry and I, decided to go down with Providence Ministries to Haiti for a trip. But because um, I work at UPS, and by the way, I'm not that UPS man in the video. <laughs> Um, i 'm not able to get a summer vacation, so I had to take that week off without pay, and I thought, well, you know what I just felt like it was something that, that I should do, and God really changed my life and on that trip to Haiti, so I just thought it was the right thing to do. but if you 're like me, a typical American consumer, you live paycheck to paycheck. Are there people out there like that, or am I alone? I think that 's the vast majority of Americans, but um I thought, well, okay, I can get by without one week of pay. That's not that big of a deal. So we were kind of scrimping and scrounging and saving and stuff. And then August 4th, disaster kind of hit. Um, if any of you use UPS a lot, you know I was probably out there walking around with a picket sign in my hand for, for two and a half weeks. We went on strike for two and a half weeks, and that was, for me, it was pretty devastating. Um, and I didn't really know what I was. I said I wasn't going to cry, so I'm not going to. I cried the whole four minutes of the first service, so I won't do it this time. It was pretty devastating. I didn't know what I was going to do, but um, I've been going to this church since day one, and I've developed a real close network of uh, friends and family that go here, and um, to make a long story short, they really came around, uh, Terry and I and and, and Joey and Danny, and Um, more than more than financially, although they did do that, um, they put their arms around us. They put their arms around us and let us know that that they were there for us. And I can't tell you how much that that meant to us. And I'm just here to testify and to witness to the, to the glory of God about how small groups do work. So get connected. Um, find people that, that you got common interests with. Um, and, and really try and make this work because it, it's a lifesaver. And, uh, you know, here, here's how good God is. Uh, the end of the month came, and I was really dreading kind of balancing the checkbook, uh, going without a paycheck for three and a half weeks. I thought man there's no way and and we did we got some financial support from people, and I was really appreciative appreciative of that, but i didn 't know if it was going to be enough to kind of cut it, and I was really nervous, so I, I I sat down to to do the bills and I started paying the bills, and I paid one by one, and I started with the smaller ones because I was really nervous about the big ones, like the house payment and uh, got through all my bills and I got to the house payment I thought well. Looks like I got it. You know, I wrote out my, my, uh, my house payment, uh, that, that bill, and I, I was amazed. I normally don't pay my house payment until the absolute last minute, you know, to send it in on the 14th. It's due by the 15th. After the 15th, you get a late charge. So I, I sent it in on the first of the month. I don't know how I did that, but it, it was like God uh, with the fishes and the loaves, and he just added to, to my checking. I don't know how he did it. But um, I give God the praise and the glory. But more than that, the people that came around us, it, it was just phenomenal. And so I just thank God for that. And I'd like for you all to give God a, a hand clap for doing that because God's really good. Amen. God God is really good. And so my time's up and I, I can't, uh, I, can I rip you just once? Go oh, ahead. Like. I'm so tired of your cookie cutter sermons. They're, they're driving me nuts.
0: I love you, man. Even though you persecute me. God bless. Amen. That is good. It says in the book of Acts, chapter 2, that the believers had all things in common. And I think that's what it's talking about. It's it's when we are in relationship with one another. Thanks, Joe. When we're in relationship with one another, you just step up to the plate. And you consider it an honor to do that. It's a win-win situation. Everyone gets blessed. I, I had a sermon I was going to preach, and I decided last service I wasn't going to preach it. Uh, we were supposed to get back to Hebrews 5, and before I knew they were going to do this video or anything, um, I, I just went through Hebrews 5, but it was feeling flat to me. The sermon's basically this. Growing is natural. It's normal. Uh, it's the norm. We're supposed to be growing. To grow, you need to have accountability. We need to be accountable to one another, and there's four things you can do to grow, and I'm not going to tell you about them right now. That's the sermon I was going to preach. Hebrews 5. But just this morning, I I, uh, just uh, was feeling... In fact, even last night, I told my wife, I don't know if I'm going to preach this sermon because it just isn't... I made a commitment about five years ago at the very start of this church that if I can't preach it with passion, I don't want to preach it. Let's just spend 30 minutes getting to know one another, you know? (laughs) Life's too short. And um, this just didn't have the conviction. You know, maybe next week or whatever... Where I am at, what I am passionate about, um, is is this. It comes out of 1 Corinthians 13. It's just the world that I'm in right now. And the Lord's just been working with me all over the place on this. Some of you heard uh, that one minister read this at the funeral of Prince Diane, 1 Corinthians 13. I didn't know that, but some told me after the service. It says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, It profits me absolutely nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will be done away. Now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak as a child. I used to think as a child. I used to reason as a child. But when I became a man, and there he's just talking about learning what love is. I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I am known fully. But now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Usually you know that I, I, I preach here and I get hyper and I walk back and forth and all of that, but I'm just not there this morning. What I'd just like to do is just kind of tell you what God's has in my life about this whole thing and, and uh, just share with you a piece of my heart on this. Several weeks ago, I, I mentioned that um, I, this summer has been a real growing time for me. I've just been uh, examining a lot of my priorities, examining my life, asking tough questions, asking, most of all, what is real? What is real? And it's been a fairly painful time for me, but I wouldn't change it for anything. I think you've got to go through periods like that. Otherwise, you get too used to, too accustomed to the status quo. You get in a mediocrity rut. We've been preaching this whole summer on this series, No Pain, No Gain, and talking about the need to move outside of our comfort zones if we're going to be growing. And the Lord has been sort of making this all real to me as, as I'm preaching about it. And now what the Lord has really been dealing with me on is this whole thing about what love is. And I always thought that I was—I I had love. I, I, always, I, I am loving, and I know what love is, but you know what? There's far more of it than any of us ever realize. And it's like the Lord is putting flesh on things that I've always believed. What I'm really seeing is this. According to Paul, love's the one thing that survives death. It's the one thing that is eternal. Defined by eternity it's the one thing that is real everything else is going to pass away but love will abide forever because there will come a time the bible says paul says right here where God will set up his kingdom and he will reign the kingdom of God will be fully manifested here and God is love father son the Holy Spirit that is who he is most essentially he is love and in that kingdom, the only thing that will be there is love. God's triune love shall be spread abroad, and God will be real, and all who say yes to him will be real, and they'll be participating in the eternal love, ecstatic joy of the, uh, of the Godhead. That alone will be real, and all else will be done away with. Maybe I will stand up a little bit. <laughs> the Bible talks about this fire in 1 Corinthians 3 that's going to burn up everything about our life that is not true. Bible talks about a judgment seat of believers, and it's not a judgment seat that determines whether or not you're saved or not, but it is a judgment seat that determines the quality of your life, and I believe your capacity to reflect back to God His glory and His love. And so it says in 1 Corinthians 3 that everything about us, all of our works, will be tried by fire. It's a purging kind of a fire. To see whether we built on wood, hay, stone, stubble, straw, what will be burned up and what will survive. And only what is based on the foundation of Jesus Christ, only what is consistent with the love that is shown forth in Calvary will survive. And I ask myself this question as I've been examining the question, what is real about me? What is real in my relationships? What is real in my marriage? What is real in my preaching? It comes down to this. What is motivated by love? What about me is rooted in the love of Jesus Christ and what isn't? Because only what is rooted in the love of Jesus Christ is going to go with me beyond this grave. You read this passage in 1 Corinthians 13 and you maybe wonder, how is it possible? How is it possible for someone to speak in tongues and to prophesy and to do great works and give their body to be burned and and to feed the poor and to have all knowledge and all theology and all wisdom and yet be nothing because they don't have love? How could you do any of that if it wasn't motivated by love? But what I really see so clearly is, is this. It is very possible to do that and not have love. It's very possible to do great and marvelous and wonderful things and preach great sermons and not do it out of love. It's very possible to do all the right things in the world but to do them for all the wrong reasons. It's possible to have everything so nice and wonderful on the outside but on the inside you're dying and you're lonely and there's no love there. And what the Lord is saying to me, what the Lord is saying to all of us here is that He wants the real thing. He wants the real thing. When all is said and done, the one thing that matters is the quality of our life is determined by the degree to which we reflect the love of Jesus Christ in all that we do and all that we are and all that we say. Nothing else matters next to that. This is the bottom line. This is Christianity. This is truth. This is the kingdom of God. This is what's eternal. This is the purpose for everything. It's it, it, it's relationships, honest relationships. It's people. It's, it's getting, letting someone in on the inside of you and getting in on their inside. It's sharing life with one another. It's walking with each other. It's holding up one another. And theology is great and wonderful and doctrine is great and wonderful and it's important and church programs are great and wonderful and buildings are great and wonderful but you know what? If it doesn't result in people loving one another and developing a passion for one another and a commitment to one another it's absolutely a waste of time and worthless. Amen. This is the one thing that's real. I just wonder right now if I were to go through that purging fire, what would be left? What what in me really is about love? Would I be preaching this sermon right now? Would I be preaching it the way that I preach it? See, if I love you, if I'm motivated by love, then my only concern in, in preaching is to say, are you getting it? Is this making a difference? But I think sometimes the way they teach preaching in seminary is is more about make sure that this point connects with this point and it's got to all flow and you want to use some colorful illustrations and da-da-da-da, and you can pour all your energy into that. But what I'm seeing here is that if it's not motivated by love, it's a clinging symbol. It's a bashing symbol. And I see how the enemy that we saw here so graphically in this video is so good at getting us to major in the minors and to get distracted and to build up artificial relationships, anything, he will do anything to substitute having honest, open, God-fearing relationships with one another. Because this is what he stands against. This is what it's all about. God reflected in our love for one another. What I'm seeing in me, there's some things I'm learning about me, and it's always amazing to me how God's never finished with us. You just think that you get done and, and, and there's a new level. But I live my life around people all the time. I talk a lot. I'm friendly. And I'm, I think, more open than most, more vulnerable than most. I'm not like the guy in that video. I, I'm always with people. But you know what? You can have your own little telemarketing thing, your own little bank account thing, your own little fast food thing inside your own heart. Where people come in there and you, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How is the weather? Everything's doing wonderful. Praise the Lord. Of course you don't say it like that, but you know what? There's no trespassing zones all over the place. And the degree to which we live in that is the degree to which we're we're missing out on life. We're missing out on on the stuff that Christ has for us. You can't let everybody in on your inner circle, but there's got to be some people there in your inner circle. And people who know you, really know you, know you in your worst points. People that you can let into your innermost problems and issues. And you can get in on their innermost problems and issue issues. People you share life with. Intimacy. Intimacy. I'm just I've just been learning how afraid I am of that. How afraid I I I'm okay up with it up to a point. But there's a there's a place that I don't even go. The Lord is just constantly saying, it's time to let people in. So I went out with Norm a couple weeks ago and I, I actually said, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I've let our friendship get this far and, and, it, and I didn't do it consciously. But There's a scary thing there that I, that I just have up there. And it's like, no, you're not going to get past that. I think I do that with my own wife. I do that with people. There's just this place. And it's like, And I know exactly why it's there. And it's not motivated out of love. It's motivated out of fear. I can let Jesus in there a little bit because I really am sure he's saved. This, this is how weird it is. You can use Jesus as a cop-out to love people because <laughs> your needs met there and you, know, you don't need it with other people, but you know what I'm seeing is that yet we need each other. Yes, we need to get life from Jesus Christ and love from Jesus Christ. He's got to be our source of life, but he never intended us to be alone. If that was true, he wouldn't have created Eve. We're, not meant, to, we're meant to let people on the inside to begin to replicate the love of the Triune God in our relationships with one another, I got you got things to overcome. You know what it is? When I look into Norm's eyes and I say I love you, and he says I love you, I, I feel like a homosexual. <laughs> I'm just being honest here. It's like I got buzzers about this. It's like, no guy gets close to me, or not too close, and it feels. That's why I never have gone to Promise Keepers. Even their songs, men with men, and children, you know, it's like I don't like that stuff. I do not want to go there. And that's not a healthy thing. It's not, it, that's not a. The Lord wants us to be connected. Christianity begins to the degree that we replicate the love of God. In relationships around us, and that means passion, and it means intimacy, it means deep friendships, it means beginning to treat one another like Christ treated us, going to visit one another in the hospital, helping out financially when somebody is hurting, and Christianity comes alive there, and love comes alive there, and healing comes to life there. The Bible always connects very intimately the love of God and the love of other people. In fact, 1 John 4 says you can't really understand one without understanding the other. When people model Jesus Christ to me, when they show me that no matter what I say and no matter what I do, they're not going to go away, then I, I have before me a physical object lesson about something about what God thinks about me. God wired us that way. That's how it's supposed to operate. When I see that, I see how far our normal American Christianity is from from what God intended. But we, we just have all these barriers. And I'm not talking about getting up in front of a bunch of people like this and pouring out your guts. You can't do it that way, but we need to have, Jesus had 12 around him. We need to have a core group of people that are on the inside so we don't walk alone, that love us, really love us. That's not gushy. I've always thought it was gushy. You can look into their eyes and they're not hiding anything. And that's how we grow and that's how we develop. That's how we become Christ-like. That's how we become intimate. Ask this question. Let the fire of God's, uh, of, of God's truth purge you and ask the question, what is real about you right now? Which is to say, what is eternal about you? To what degree are you really in love right here and right now? To what degree are you really loving your spouse? To what degree are you really loving your kids? They grow up so fast. what degree are we loving each other, our friends? To what degree is that real? And only to the degree that it's real is anything that we're doing worth anything. I couldn't say it more extreme. It is the truth. This is the kingdom now. The thing about love is, is, is it's always in the moment. It's not tomorrow and ten years from now. It's right here, right now. I'm talking to you. You're looking at me and we're communicating. And this is, this is a relationship. It's got to be concrete. It's got to be now. And it's one thing that lasts forever. Let me end by saying this: I found that if you ask Jesus, sometimes you don't have any love. It just, if you're too afraid, or you just feel empty, and you know what I found is that if you just ask Him for His love for you, but also for other people, He'll give it to you. And it really hurts. know, you can look at people and you see them in a different way. But it's also life. It's also life, and there, there's no alternative. To live in love is to live in a little bit of pain, waiting for that time that Paul talked about when we'll know, even as we're known, there won't be this warfare going on that screws things up. In the meantime, it's pain, but that's what it's about. He'll give you his heart for people. He'll give you his heart for people. And begin to walk into there. You begin to notice things you didn't notice before. You, begin to, you develop a compassion, a self sacrificial nature that you didn't have before. That's what it's all about. That's the bottom line right there. If that doesn't happen, then we're fooling ourselves on this whole thing. But here's the kind of thing that happens: is I've noticed how I, I. Someone told me it's the person who played the devil in there, Sandra Unger, One time in my office, I was locked away just writing a book, and there's some people there, and I was just hidden away. And I came out for something for coffee, and she just said, "You know," and she wasn't mean. She wasn't mean. She was being friendly, but she goes, "People are more important than books." And I didn't like her very much at that point. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying is, I, you know, we have so many different ways of hiding. And writing books and being intellectual can be one of those ways. I had a student come up after a class this last week, and the student just asked this question, it wasn't an odd question, it was simply, how can I take notes better in this class? I hear that you kind of wander around a lot and get off on tangents, and so, could you just uh, you know, t- uh, tell me how I can take notes? And normally I'd be thinking, okay, I'll, I'll give her a quick answer and go to my office, whatever, but I'm learning that people are, people are what count. People are the only thing that matters. And and something about, if you're walking in love, you you, you just notice things. Her voice cracked a little bit when she said, it's really important that that I do good in this class. And So I asked this question. I didn't answer her question. I said, why is it so important for you to do so good? And the Lord just, one thing led to another, and we spent an hour there. And I don't know what will come of this, but I think that might have been a conversation that will change her life. Because something true came out there, very, very painfully true. We just begin to touch on it, and I'm praying that this, that this will develop into something that will change your life. We're to walk in the love of Jesus Christ. Go beyond our comfort zone. Take risks. Be vulnerable. Take time. Notice things. Grab someone's hand. I want to end with this declaration. It starts with letting Jesus Christ on the inside and then letting him love through you. And when he touches your heart, I don't care how mature you are in the Lord, there's more love for you to receive and there's more love for you to begin. And it starts right here and right now.